Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. Before we get things going, we need to issue a correction. Yes, during our discussion of Mason Silva's new part last week, I, Mike, erroneously referred to Numbers as one of his past sponsors. Miles Silva's road for Numbers. For those of you who yelled at this podcast, we regret the error. All right. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott. I'm joined this week by Mike Muzzenreiter and Patrick Kagongo to talk about the new Griffin Gas part. But first, skateboarding's new rules. Our friends over at the Village of Psychic laid out skateboarding's new rules, a riff on New York Magazine's new rules. Personally, I thought there were no rules to skateboarding. Patrick, what gives? I think there's always been rules to skateboarding. And what was interesting was when New York Magazine did that etiquette piece, there was so much discourse, so much outrage. And that's what etiquette discussions are supposed to do. Etiquette books are not just meant to be followed. They're supposed to be discussions about how you bend the rules, when you break the rules, what are the exceptions. But the idea that skateboarding is completely formless and lawless, that's a fiction. There's plenty of rules. And there's rules that you're breaking right now that you don't even know. Mike, what do you think? You were just out skating today. Did you break any skate rules? I mean, I I was upholding the rules that the first... One of the first really nice days in a cold weather winter city is like, get your ass out skating. Me and my uh, 40, yeah, 47-year-old buddy Chad, we saw some other skaters. Nobody actually skating downtown Minneapolis. So everybody in the city apparently was breaking the rules. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, I, I feel like it's all unspoken rules. And we've, I, we've definitely talked before about how nobody really, really wants to enforce them. But I think the Village Psychic piece, riffing on that New York Magazine piece, really got it right in that, like, you can talk about the rules, you can have fun with it. Yeah, it was fun and useful. It's a lot of stuff to talk about. It's a lot of stuff to debate. Right, Patrick? Yeah, absolutely. And there was one that one that I think about is yes for more carpooling. It's kind of wild in L.A. how every time you go skating, it ends up looking like that scene in the movie Swingers where they're going from the bar to some party and they're all crawling slowly up and down the Hollywood Hills. And that's something that happens here quite often. I'm totally cool to drive people. I have a few friends who don't have driver's licenses or they just don't drive. And I just think it's a nice common courtesy. Pick your friends up, you know, and if they offer to pay for gas or get you a taco or several tacos or a burrito, yeah, absolutely take it, especially with inflation being what it is. I don't think anybody should ride for free, but at the same time, uh, I'm not going to be a stickler about it. Anyway. So, I'll tell you what. <laughs> up here, up here, when everybody drives their own car to the spot, it's called a Cali carpool. So, Oh, God. <laughs> it is. <laughs> They're the worst. We, we, are, we, are, we are legitimately the worst. And even though we have some of the tightest emission laws on the books, we set the standard for any car that's sold in the USA, domestic or imported. People here basically act like the last 50 years of env- environmental crisis haven't been happening. Anyway, another thing that got me thinking in this joint was wheelbase. was skating the curbs yesterday night with a few folks from Slow Impact. And we were talking about wheelbase. And dog, I think the wheelbase debate really became a thing when people started ordering boards online. Because beforehand, when you had to go into a shop and just pick something off the wall, you stood on it. You checked whether or not it felt good and whether or not it was something that you wanted to ride. Whereas now, people don't have as much familiarity with shapes or lengths or the size of the nose and the tail, whether or not it's bulbous. And so you end up, you know, I think the madness came out of too many nasty surprises for people who were just ordering stuff just to order it. Templeton, what do you think? I think that makes a lot of sense because, yeah, you, you stand on the board and you're like, yeah, this feels good or this feels weird. But, yeah, when you get a in the mail that's your chance to stand on it and it's kind of too late at that point i remember getting a, a mystery board with a short wheelbase and it was just terrible speaking of wheelbase i watched that johnny purcell nova scotia part today and i was like does he have a short wheelbase and like that's all i remember from the part the whole time i was like does this board look weird is it uh, a baby board it it just looked like the trucks were set in just slightly more than everybody else's uh, but that's not that's not here nor there in this discussion of the new rules of skateboarding. Uh, I thought it was a fun piece. There were uh, some New York-centric stuff that I didn't really think super applied to regular, regular skaters outside of the big city. I liked that they said that car- that waxing was okay. I think 
yeah, like, also, like they said, every adult should own wax, which I think was kind of a, a riff on the New York Magazine's rule. Everybody, if you're a, what is it? If you're a, a dating adult, you should own lube. So. Yeah, wait, hold up. Who doesn't? Who doesn't own lube or wax? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Young folks, I guess. I guess so, but dang. Oh, my goodness. Is this what happens when uh, we start cutting sex ed in schools? Apparently. <laughs> but, um, okay, then what about the whole debate well, about waxing and over-waxing? Wax the hell out of everything, and at least, like, the sex ed device isn't go faster. Um, I've, I've leaned into, <laughs> like, waxy ledges. It's easier. It feels cooler. These things dovetail so well. It's like, I, I have a box of golf wax. I said I was stoked on having my my adult wax uh, on a recent episode of this very podcast. Like, if you want to do nose slides, that thing had better be just waxier than hell. Like, it's just fun. Yeah, and if you go know. if you go to like a pros TF or whatever, those ledges are waxed like crazy. And I've heard yes, you know, heard about Paul Rodriguez just slathering the box with wax and stuff like that. So like. If it's good enough for them, it should be good enough for you. And anybody who's gets their panties in a bunch about it needs to just fucking chill. What about waxing at the skate park? I think that's a, that's where people that's where the beef kicks off. Mm, I mean, best not to go, really. Uh, Mike, you want to handle this one? I mean, yeah. It at this point, I'll just say if you're getting bummed out on wax at the skate park, like up your game and figure out how to skate it. I remember. Um, it was at the wedge during slow impact. The wedge is gigantic, that bump to bump thing. And there was a large flat bar across it. Ryan Lay skates very, very, very fast. And so he's hauling ass at this thing. And every other try, he was slathering the flat bar with more wax, even though he was going mock lay, so to speak. Like, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for everyone else. What do the misfits say? No resistance. Like, let's get that. Yeah, I get it. So what about sartorially? What about rules for clothing? I personally feel like skating in tight pants does not look good on anybody. And it's weird that they said tight pants for hash stuff, you know, rails, big stairs, hugging yourself down stuff, and baggy pants for being tech, being swishy, being fly. I don't know. I, and I've tried it. I've tried it. And I wear tight pants in my regular life, and I certainly wear tight pants when playing music, would never play, never play a show in baggy pants. That looks terrible. You look like you're in a new metal band. But I don't know. What do y'all think? Do you have? Uh, I mean, come on. We love pants on this here podcast. I, I want to hear some takes. I think for me, I I've kind of like chilled on my my personal fashion. I just like kind of have the pants that I have, and you know, wear. Yeah, I'm just like not checking for fashion the way I used to. So I I think that it, you're just safe in the middle. You know, if you're not too baggy, not too tight, you're going to be fine. But if you want to push the limits, there are there are limits to push. Mike, what do you think? I watched a video part today where the guy's gear kind of ruined it for me. So, um, name names. You know what? I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not, not going to name names this time. <laughs> we'll link it in the show notes. Uh, if Mike reveals it's, it. It's just a, it's just a matter of like. There's a logic to it all. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know. Things have to fit together. And maybe that's just my brain when I'm looking at skateboarding. But like certain shoe, certain shoes work for a certain type of skating. Like it would be bizarre if, you know, one of those uh, year 2000 revival Philly style guys was hucking down handrails, you know, I don't need to see a guy in lynxes over crooking a rail or i don't know maybe that's too dogmatic you know when i say it out loud i'm kind of like eh, that could be interesting i'm open to it all but when you see it and you know that it doesn't work that's when it that's when it breaks down okay speaking of dogma what is an old rule or rule that you grew up around that you're so glad has gone away something that you're just like why are we following this why are we still doing this mm, that's a tough one actually yeah, I'm I'm like a pretty uh I guess you can say like conservative in my like skate rules. So I kinda like rules and and guardrails. I like that there's just more diversity in skating, you know. I don't think that that was ever like a rule, like no girls, no gays or anything, but I think that those those barriers 
uh, have been coming down. And I, I think that that's great. Uh, it was, it was, well, I guess it also depended on the scene because I mean, homophobia is something that is, is and was deeply entrenched in American society. Um, same thing for, you, you, you know, same thing for gender discrimination as well. But yeah, skateboarding has improved significantly over the last decade. I think the last five years have been a real game changer. Um, I think for me is the whole thing about trying a trick with somebody else. I mean, dog, we're all 40 plus here. If someone's trying to no slide and you're trying to no slide a curb or you're trying to crook a curb, nobody's going to get mad at you for trying the same trick. We're not filming anything here. And if anything, you might actually be able to learn something from somebody who's doing the same trick as you on the same obstacle. Mike, what about you? Old rule that you're glad is just gone with the wind? I mean, I'll just piggyback off what you were saying, Patrick, about the, you know, don't don't front on someone else's trick at the session. Like, it, that was always an easy one to kind of break. You'd just be like, hey, man, you mind if I try that too? Like, that looks rad. And usually, nine out of ten times that worked. Probably, you know, nine nine plus. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do the math right there. That always worked. I don't know if there's any other rules that have gone by the wayside. I mean, I'm just kind of like Templeton. There, There's certain rules I keep in my mind or just certain preferences more than anything else. You know, I'm still big on skate park etiquette and there's just a way to like exist in society. Okay. All right. All right. Or, or in the microcosm of society, the skate park. But yeah. So in Glendale, California, that is. There is a little park where Gifted Hater and a whole bunch of other people who live in Glendale and Eagle Rock and that little corner of Northeast LA where some, some folks will end up going over there. And what is interesting is that there is a really crappy sort of hump that you can drop it. it it's not really skatable. It wasn't very well thought of, but it, it, it's effectively a slide. And there's a playground right next to it. There's a basketball court right next to that. And you'll often find kids sliding on their butts down either the quarter pipes or the cornered bowl or this weird little obstacle. And as somebody who knows how to engage with children, small children, you know, I'll just go skate flat. I'm not going to go and even risk, you know, doing harm to somebody who is a fraction of my size. So question, what do you have to say to those teenage and 20 something, and it's usually young dudes will get irritated, will start beef with parents. I mean, Mike, I'm going to throw it to you because you're a dad. Uh, you see somebody getting angry with a kid or kind of skating aggressively around them. What you doing? I'm getting way too pissed off. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I, you know, kids will be kids, even pedestrians. Like, I was just skating downtown Minneapolis, like I said, and, you know, there were people down there, and generally folks don't care about skating anymore. It's a lot different than it used to be. But, like, unless someone is really oblivious to what you're trying to do and or kind of, like, passive-aggressively so, people, you know, you're, you're all trying to use the same space. You can't, you can't start trying to flex on someone or especially little kids. Like, you could easily move little kids as someone who also knows how to engage with little people. Like, I, I feel like there's a live-and-let-live type vibe that's maybe an unspoken rule in skating where... You know, someone's just walking up the street. You can't, like, yell at them to walk faster or something. That's idiotic. Yeah, you usually just wait it out. Yeah. I mean, that's the ebb and flow of actually skating real stuff as opposed to a park. I mean, I don't know. That's a part of the experience. It, it sometimes feels a little bit strange to witness those interactions because there is a part of me that feels like the parents should be responsible and teach their kids that this is not a playground. I know it looks fun. But, you know, there's grown folks there's doing, who are doing things over there. But, you know, something that has shifted in American society is that, uh, heaven forbid, you dare. Uh, I'll try not to journalize here, but it seems like there's, for certain types of folks, especially in Southern California, there will be hell to pay if you even dare try to discipline their children. Something that would be completely normal that I grew up with all the time. Shout out to all my first generation kids who definitely got spanked by somebody else's parents, aunties, <laughs> uncles, whoever. You know, that's a normal thing, whereas these people would freak out on you, even though you're just looking out for their best interest. It's not like you're yelling or anything. I think it's situational, you know. It's like the kids are not looking out for themselves, and there there are people skating. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, you know, when you see it, I'd intervene. But there's, all like I said, like, live and let live, 
I don't know. It, it It's <laughs> situational. It's highly situational. I was just out walking with my daughter and like three little boys were walking down the street and I saw one litter and I'm like, hey man, don't litter. Pick that up. And he did. I'm fine with that. If someone else told see- my kid to do that, I'm fine with that. That's good parenting right there. Okay, now I'm going to get, uh, we're going to ratchet up the temperature a bit. Um, you got kids who are tagging up the spot. Yeah, I'll tell them to cut that out. Yeah, I think that's fine. <laughs> we live in a very different world, guys. Man, I'm sorry. Like, that's not gatekeeping. Gatekeeping is such a meaningless-ass word nowadays. If you don't like something, it's gatekeeping. There's, like, maintaining a spot skateability. There's, we live in a society, you guys. I feel you, but not being an Angelino, despite having lived here for nine years, I'm not about to pull up UFO in a strange neighborhood and tell whoever put the can away or put the pens away. Yeah, of course. But if it's like yeah. if it's like another skater and you guys are in the session, I feel like you can maybe mention like, hey, man, doing that is going to fuck up the spot. But if, you know, if it's just some random person doing graffiti. Right. Then that like, you know, that's not really part of your world and not not really your responsibility to to police that. I'm not big on policing anyway. It's just skater to skater. It's kind of like, yo, if you do that, you're going to ruin it for everyone. It's not, don't do that. It's, hey, kind of think of the bigger picture here. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about um, what about music at the spot? That's fine. And I'm not talking about just, you know, uh, coming through with a, a Beats pill or a little JBL joint. I'm talking about somebody coming through with a whole ass speaker, which I have seen down at Huntington Beach. Callie's a different beast, man. <laughs> and the dude was playing like stereotypical contest stuff, like old Slayer and Misfits sucked. Not that not that Slayer and the Misfits suck, but let me hear something different at the skate park. I mean, it that's fine with me as long as I again I'm in I'm in the zone where if my kid were with me, I just don't need anything too gnarly happening coming out of the speakers. Yeah, I mean, for me, I feel like imposing your music on an entire skate park is kind of lame and un- inconsiderate like leave that shit at home is my thought but i don't i don't know that to me isn't like a rule that's just kind of like being courteous you know and like i don't know like the, those kind of rules like don't really interest me as much as like i don't know some some of the other rules like which tricks to do and not do i think those those rules are a lot more fun these rules are more like serious. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's have more fun. What's you? You took you took issue Templeton, I think, with the ride on grind prohibition. Yeah, I think ride on grinds are fun. Why why not do a ride on grind? I I don't know what the problem was in in the article. Let, let me pull it up. Like, Mike, what do you? How do you feel about ride on grinds? There's always a difference between say putting them in a video part that's supposed to promote a company versus just doing a trick for fun. I am of the mind that any trick can be done well, except pressure flips, probably. But even Cater did a pressure flip on flat in a line recently, and that was rad. So I'm pretty open-minded when it comes to any trick can be done. What about sharing a pin for a DIY or a secret spot or a bus spot? I mean, it's a, it's a case-by-case basis. You can make the call pretty easily. I don't know, some random... Again, it's like... I'm skeptical of the concept of gatekeeping. If you don't have equity, I'm not sure that you just get to go blow something out. With spots, I feel like I'm pro gatekeeping. You know, like if you just, you know, I do this all the time. I hook up a ledge. I want to get my shit first, you know, because like I'm not that good. So, you know, my my banger is your warm up. So I need to get my shit first. So I'm going to keep that close to the vest for a little bit. And I, I think that's okay. I'm, I don't think that that's uh, gatekeepy or whatever. And, you know, some, some people don't know how to act at the spot. So I think it's fine to, to limit their access. This is very true. What about uh, what about this discussion of the teenage skate diet? What did y'all used to eat when you went skating? Same sorts of garbage. Yeah, I mean, I just think that's that's not, like, exclusive to skaters. I just think that's young people who don't have a lot of money and they're eating crazy shit and doing a lot of stuff and it doesn't really matter too much. I sometimes think about what are the long-term health effects of eating Flaming Hot Cheetos? Because it feels like some kids are eating them in industrial quantities. It's wild. I don't have the stomach for that. 
it's been a long time since I could since I was able to inhale junk food like that. I don't know. Let let the teens enjoy the junk food while they can. You know, like exactly. Yeah. Shit catches up. And I don't. I like spicy food. I like really hot, good food. The flaming hot dust. That's not even. That doesn't even taste good. God, it's so nasty, and it it does not come off of skin. I don't know what's. I mean, it's not natural. It, it is when, certainly not natural. That's for sure. No, no, no. Now, now those Al Caps hot fries, those joints are nice. Those were yeah. so good. Oh my! I'm goodness. like so out of the snack game anymore. Oh my goodness! And then yo, Utz Carolina style barbecue chips in the baby blue bag, mm. Bruh. Oh my goodness! I could house man. I'm thinking about Utz chips right now, and you can't get them on the West Coast. See, all I all I want like the go to snack. It's always driving through Wisconsin, but you'll get like the nice quick trip or something. You get, you know, Wisconsin cheese and a beef stick. Somehow it's like 650 calories and it's, you know, you got six inches of food, one and a half inches by six inches of food. And you're like, good to go after that. Yeah, that's like a, a full day's worth of fuel. <laughs> okay. What about the post skate meal? Let's say it's a big session. Is there a way, is there etiquette? We're making a decision about where to go eat. Yes. I mean, it's about inclusivity. Like nobody, you know, nobody wants to be a hungry skater who can't, can't afford the meal or, you know, isn't into it. I mean, apart from maybe Deer Deck and Tony Hawk, who, who's going to hit in like the steakhouse or going to like a surf and turf place and getting the, a seafood tower? I mean, we've, we've ended up at Texas Roadhouse and that's very affordable, but I, I feel like there's, there've been times in the past where, you know, you want a little bit more upscale, but there, there's the more broke skaters amongst us, and yeah, and also what you would call you gotta you gotta have something for the vegan homies, something for people who've got serious dietary restrictions. I don't know, Templeton, what's your favorite? What is your favorite? I've earned it today. Post skate meal, actually, both of y'all. That's a tough one. The thing that I always used to like to get when I lived back in Virginia, there's this drive-in called Dumars, and they would make a limeade, and that was really good so i'm i'm more of like a special drinks kind of person a limeade from dumars is really fucking good uh now it would be like a coconut water would be kind of like my my special drink what about you mike other than the beef stick with (laughs) special post skate meals i mean i was just thinking of a particular skate day where we ended up at a texas roadhouse and there were very large Coors or Miller Lights. I, I forget what the beer was, but you know, Frosty Mug, big beer. That's pretty good. And then uh, the Texas Roadhouse is is great in terms of like a couple sides, a salad, a steak, like $22. This is of course in like semi-rural Wisconsin. So it's, it's maybe not the case everywhere, but I don't know. It, it, it's fun to, I, I definitely went on a, on a skate trip with, gosh, I was, I, I was, of age to get in the bar. I was probably 21, but we had some like 15, 16, 18 year olds with us. And we went to a, a buffet steakhouse. The kids were eating steaks with their hands. It was pretty great. <laughs> Amazing. What about oh, you, Patrick? My... Where are you eating? Tacos Leo, which is at the corner of La Brea and Venice Boulevard here in LA. And just get an Al Pastor burrito. And that's only if it, that's a very, very special. Normally it'll be. If it's a night where my wife has cooked dinner, but I've gotten home late from skating, whatever's left over, or I'll get home in time and we'll make dinner together. But um, yeah, it is. It, it's. It doesn't always feel good to have something heavy or greasy post skating, as I've learned. You know, you got to experiment a little bit. But I think one of the best meals out I've had post skating is a place in Rosemead in the San Gabriel Valley. It's called Restaurant Omar, and it's Uyghur food. It's Chinese halal. Oh. Dog. I went there with uh, a few homies um, who uh, speak Mandarin as well as Uyghur dialect as well. And dog, they hooked us up. That's that was a that was a that was a legendary meal. It was really really fun. I don't know. Also, eating steaks with their hands. Really? <laughs> I mean, this is twenty years ago now, legitimately. And uh, there's just a photo that comes to mind of this kid who was fifteen. He came on the trip. He was just, you know, you take the big cut off the off the buffet and he was using his fingers you know it wasn't footballing it or anything but he, he was chewing on that thing that's amazing grab that steak and bite it Can, I, I gotta add 
one rule that I'm steadfast about. Let's hear it. No headphones. No, no headphones at the session. And if you're wearing over-the-ear headphones, cut that shit out. Yeah, it's very antisocial, and I think that skating is a social activity. Well, it's logistically it's terrible because I don't know, like being dead to the world and trying to exist in the same space as other people while you're moving quickly on a, on a yeah, toy. you want your awareness, right? You need all your senses. And so, what about people who are have sensory? Uh, was it um, sensory issues? Could be on the spectrum, or that's just how they get their stoke up, listening to the same three songs over and over again. What what do what do we say to them? Because these folks are going to be here. I mean, you just got to be able to not be a pain in the ass at the session for everyone. See, that's where the problem comes in. There's a lot of people who wear headphones and just be oblivious to the world, like y'all have said. So, I don't know. Is that something that can be taught? I mean, I, I think that goes back to kind of like self-policing or like, you know, letting people know. And if you're around enough and people let you know enough, you'll you'll start leaving the headphones at home. Well, and so much, like, so many skate park problems could be solved if people, before they moved, after they've, you know, missed a trick or whatever, looked over a shoulder or two. It's, look behind, look around. <laughs> like, skateboarding would be way better if everybody just looked around a little bit more often. You're here. Yeah, I agree. Well, we, we've talked rules for, like, half an hour. You guys ready to step on the gas? Mm-hmm. I see what you did there. All right, uh... Gripping gas seems not to be a gas guzzler, but a public transit proponent because his new Spitfire part with 35th North is named Orca Card after the Seattle area's public transit payment card. In his part, we get a busload of bangers and some great guest clips too. Mike, what had you saying this was among the best parts of the year? Well, for one thing, it got one of the best intros of the year from you, Templeton. That was fantastic. Basically, everybody involved in that video part knows exactly what they're doing and how to do it and how to do it well. And it came together wherein we got rad skating, great guest clips, very good VX 1000 camera work where, I don't know, the color palette was flat, but it worked. There was long lens in there that was VX stuff. That looked great. And the music was sick. And they were throwing fish at each other in a Seattle video. And Seattle looks great on camera. And there was a lot of interesting spots. Basically, just you're not going to get another seven-minute video part that feels like it was three minutes long. Did I miss anything, Patrick? No, that was the thing that was really shocking. I actually watched it three times yesterday. Uh, my wife's out of town on a work trip. So I've uh, just been watching, running skate videos from time I'm shutting down at work until it's time to go to bed. I've done all the workout stuff in the morning. Anyway, dog. <laughs> uh, first of all, 35th North is a sick shop, but aren't there two locations? There's one that's in town, and then there's one that's somewhere near one of the airstrips or air or airports? There's 35th yeah. North and 35th Ave. I believe they're two separate entities. Uh, the homie Dave, who's friend of the pod, he runs 35th Ave uh, that is not in Seattle. And then 35th North is in Seattle proper. Okay. Uh, I've been to 35th North. They were really great over there. They're fans of the show. And that was some of the best skating I've ever had. I got to meet Andy, who I would later meet at Slow Impact. Got to meet Jamie, also at Slow Impact, uh, before Slow Impact, actually. And I was there during a heat wave. That is a beautiful city. It was one of those, it was such a good time. It was one of those like, dog, I could, I could, I could maybe picture myself doing this. If only because there are people who were swimming in the canal. I love that. But back to the part, his blunts are nice. I think Krell Tap has done, we've talked about this quite a few times over the last few months, but I think it's really worth giving Krell Tap their flowers and commending them for this sheer amount of work that they've done to turn the brand around. And something that I saw on Twitter, I believe it was uh, the homie Nigel who had posted, maybe Krailtap should just fold the girl and just put everybody on chocolate. You know, just close that chapter. I think that's a little extreme. That is a little extreme. It's a lot extreme. But I think just 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 from this part, I mean, dog, it's cool. I don't know if I don't know if Lakai or Royal are gonna be able to ride the waves of this Krailtap comeback the same way the girl the chocolate have. What do y'all think? Yeah, I, I don't think that the skater-owned shoe brands are ever going to 
be at the top of the at the top of the heap like they once were. But I do think that there's a place for them. And you know, not everybody can ride for a Nike or Adidas. And I'm I'm glad that Griffin Gas is getting shoes from somebody. What else did you like about this part? Because something that I really liked about it was that it's mostly Seattle. And so I almost felt like um, it was very comforting. It was almost like a, like a bowl of, uh, like a nice bowl of really, like, really, like, fresh out mac and cheese, right? You just, like, settle into it. And it just felt good to watch. It felt really, really good to watch. And his spot selection, too. Also, that weird little, uh, that little pyramid, the very steep, uh, steep, steep bank pyramid, whatever you want to call it, uh, he's doing blunts on. Is something like that fun to skate or is it just impossible and you have to be of a certain type of skater to be able to hit it and get some tricks on it? Mike, you got anything for that steep bank? I think that's like a tennis court or something. Gosh, I'm blanking on it because somehow I only, I, I, I watched the part one time and I was super psyched on it and I never went back. I got to think that, God, what was one of the tricks he did on it? I think he did like kickflip front nose on it or maybe he did... There's kind of like a hip to it and like did something, oh. like maybe a blunt and then into yep. like off the hip or yeah, something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. That thing is hard as hell to skate, for sure. I, I'm super into those kind of spots. Like that's kind of like the welfare banks in DC and like, you know, ollie in, crooked grind and then pop into the bank. I'll be doing that all day. Loads of fun. Oh, you, you know, I lost half of uh, one of my front teeth at the welfare banks September of 2000 freshman year of college damn yeah <laughs> charge it to the game that's my favorite that's my favorite dc spot it's so fun i i need to hit that next time i go back um yeah i think he got a blunt kickflip to fakie uh leah blunt's all kickflip to fakie uh on that um pyramid slash very steep bank and also what is that very rounded ledge he skates towards the end where he's doing all sorts like switch blunt around it um Oh yeah, that that's like a Seattle hotspot. It seems like one of those things where you can just it, once you get in it and kind of like unlock it, you can just sit in it and do whatever you want. Seems yeah, what did you do? Switch switch blunt, switch flip out to straight. Yep, that's a really great trick. Like what? It's funny. Um, this is maybe a a, a semi obscure reference. He reminded me of. Uh, CJ Tambernino, the late CJ Tambernino from here, where, you know, high tech shit, but so snap, so proper, so fast. Like he has has that line where he's got the switch flip back tail, shove it. And it's just like it's all on point. Very enjoyable skater. Yeah, he's really, 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 really good. So question then, should Krail Tap continue down this path? Pair parts, solo joints. Or are we missing something? You know, the last chocolate video was, you know, bunny hop was great fun. Bunny hop was a, it's a bit of a cliche and every cliche is rooted in truth. It was a return to form. It was what it was. It's what that crew does really, really well. Should they go for You know, should, should there be another girl video? What should it be like? Or is it not worth it for them to spend ridiculous amounts of time chasing everybody down, trying to put together these epic videos? I think it's worth it. What do you think, Mike? Oh, I was going to, yeah, I was going to say it's worth it because chocolate just proved it. And girl arguably has as many interesting folks on the team still as chocolate does. And I mean, that's, that's what girl and chocolate do. They make full length videos with skits and they're well-produced. I mean, the, the real blueprint of single parts with the entire team getting a clip in there and they're really awesome. They're well done. That's great, but that's their thing. And I think Girl and Chocolate's thing is full-length videos. Yeah, and the, the thing about this part is it's all VX, it's all Seattle. So it's it's kind of like a tight little package. And then the Girl video can be something more broad, you know, filmed by a bunch of different people in a bunch of different places in HD, whatever. So I, I think that's one of the cool things about the VX is it, it can kind of like section off your output, you know, and you're like, okay, I've got my VX part, I've got my HD part, and it's a good way to differentiate. This, I feel like that part, the Griffin Gas part we're talking about, kind of transcended the VX. It was just like, it wasn't a VX part, it was a part that used a VX. It's just the camera people 
knew exact again knew what they were doing with it i mean the the long lens stuff can be more missed than hit when it comes to using that camera but you know just the color palette was consistent throughout it looked great it felt great in terms of like we're in seattle we're doing this uh, this this place we're doing this place and uh patrick i know i know you mentioned did you did you notice some non-seattle or non-pacific northwest spots because i i thought it was all in seattle um i think it's is it all seattle or am i am i wrong it, it seemed all seattle to me mm. or you know there's probably like some outer seattle suburb type stuff so somewhere out of sprawl beautiful the beautiful city of issaquah home of modest mouse and my old boss robin <laughs> seattle's got some hills yeah oh my for goodness. sure and that ground ain't soft either. I made, I didn't make the same mistake as I did when I went to Portland for the first time. I bought appropriately sized wheels. There's some stuff in his part at uh, University of Washington. Again, a shout out to Andy for taking me there. What a cool looking campus. All brick, you know, very traditional looking, beautiful. And then smack in the middle, you have a bunch of uh, brutalist and modernist stuff from the 50s and 60s. And it's so skatable. It's so fun. Why is it so hard to skate on brick, though? It's all cracks. I mean, unless it's you go settles. to... Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, if it's old, it's all all kinds of different levels. Nah, this spot was really, like, surprisingly well-maintained. And I don't know. Like, Seattle... What was uh, what was popping in Seattle in the 90s? Grunge? I don't think there was a lot of skating. Like, or... I, yeah, I'm sure there was plenty of skating, but I, I don't think that there was, there was like, a national footprint in seattle dave can correct me can you guys think i'm trying to think there was a dude called kyle um was it kyle yanagimoto yanagimoto yeah oh sorry i think so and he would he would skate those brutalist sculptures i remember kyle i apologize for butchering your last name it happens to me as well i will read next time i look up your name on the internet but yeah i remember him from old 411 there would often be footage of him Oh, was it somebody else used to skate Seattle? He is Seattle, isn't he? I'm pretty sure, yeah. That sounds yeah. right. Okay, because I think he's I think he's in California now. I've also heard that he was originally from Hawaii. See, this is the thing. It's so frustrating. We don't have like uh four think about however many other sports you got a you know, transfer market or whatever pages where you have just like a brief little bio. The best we have is spot, and that's only people who are actively skating contests. I don't know. Oh, yeah, there used to be a park that was not too far from the Space Needle. Uh, there's a new park there now, which is phenomenal. Very, very well bu- built, very mellow, and very fun. But um, it's near the Experience Music Project Museum. Yeah, it was a very different... It was like a typical 90s park. It may have had metals, like prefab. I skated um, that metal park. In Seattle? Yeah. Was it any good? I mean, it was like six-foot metal quarter pipes, maybe a big old metal hip. Mm-hmm. There's a... Um... Maybe it's the best of 411 Mike Vallely profile where he does a line there. Yep. Yeah, I must have, I must have skated it in 98 because that was was just recently in Seattle, but the time prior when I was there was 1998, the weekend that Princess Diana died. Hmm, because dang. it was like it was like it was like a great aunt's 85th birthday or something and news came through on a Saturday night, I believe. So yeah. there's that. You just remind me the coronation of her, uh, her ex-husband is about to begin and nobody gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that? You know, this is going to be the biggest day of your life. And it was just like, ah, I'd rather be doing something else. <laughs> Weird. We still do coronations. <laughs> well, it, it's it's also funny, too. Um, I saw that um, a buddy of mine showed, sent me a text saying that uh, a bunch of different places in D.C. will be screening it. I was just like, see, this is what happens when there's no Irish people in your town because... That shit <laughs> not fly in New York, <laughs> and certainly not in Boston. But uh, anyway, back to back to Seattle skating. It's having this really awesome moment. I mean, the scene is really cool. The people up there are really awesome. There's actually some really really great food. The record shopping is great, and it's especially that DIY tennis court is a really really fun spot too. It just it's if not for the winters, and I've never been there being the winter, but it seems miserable. Templeton, can you confirm? It, it's tough in the Northwest in the wintertime. You, you just, you got to develop some other hobbies and just also buy some good gear to be able to go outside. Well, yeah, my, my in-laws who lived here 
all their lives, moved to Seattle recently, and they did a single winter. And they're like, oh, we need a different plan than being in Seattle in the winter. So they're definitely looking for an easier life than they had in Minnesota. So I don't know if it's exactly on par with a lot of, you know, a lot of rain isn't exactly a lot of snow and a lot colder. But yeah, it, it's still challenging out there, I think. Yeah, so for sure. what does it take for a Seattle to become a hub where people would just be like, I'm going to move up there to go skate? Or is that already happening? Is that what we're seeing for the Northwest? And if you had to pick between Seattle and Portland, which city do you think is pushing the culture forward more in skating right now? Well, I, hmm. I still There's think Portland's side joke to make. <laughs> I think Portland just still kind of takes the crown for skateboarding and you know, there's industry here with Adidas and Nike. So I, I think that as far as skating goes, Portland is is the Northwest town to be in. Seattle's spots may probably be a little bit better, but I think that their their winters are just slightly harsher. Their property is just slightly more expensive. Yeah, their winters are just slightly more, more dark than ours. So I, I think that Portland has got, got the edge. And is it because of big shoes being over there? Is that what it is? I think Portland was was popping before the big shoe companies were popping. I guess also it was, you know, because Seattle has always had Boeing, Microsoft, there's huge, oh, shipping, logging, forestry. You know, there's a lot of key industries there that have always made it a big marquee destination. Not to say that Portland doesn't have it, but Portland does not have Boeing. And for a long time, up until very recently, it was pretty affordable to move to Portland and just kind of, you could skate or play music, get a whatever job, by which I mean, you know, a couple days a week, serving coffee, such and such, whatever, to keep the lights on. And it was feasible. But now that as prices continue to go up, it's becoming harder and harder to do that. It's harder to do that in every in every American city, but uh, certainly for a place like Portland. But um, anyway, back to Seattle. Has 35 has 35th North put out a video? Mm, I'm sure they Probably. have. I can't think of one. But I they, think we oh good. We haven't talked about, you know, just there's like the manic skateboards thing. And I it in my mind it's all city showdown. Yep. It's that video contest that they did. I mean Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot in between for Seattle skateboarding as far as my limited internet research and memory has 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 in my head right now but the whole genesis crew shouts to them i mean they've been show you know showcasing seattle in a really great way that video was great fun um but yeah i guess i oh, oh okay has is there does every city is, is it possible that every city does every city have a, a video that defines it that is just like you think of as that city you think of it for me it's mixtape new york maybe some 917 shit but really mixtape hmm you hope every city has something like that if they had a scene with a heartbeat. Yeah, I think the big cities have it. Oh, I mean, truly, think, are there any small or, or medium-sized cities that have had a video with a huge amount of impact? In the U.S., that is. We're going to get in trouble for this. We're going to be mad. Going to issue another day. correction uh, to head top of next, next week's show. Actually. I mean, like, Kansas City has those escapist videos that Granted, there's some heavy hitters in there involved, but yeah, that that's videos. punching above their weight. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely punched above the weight. Minneapolis has done that in the past and or present. Oh, what or about maybe uh, well again? What about Milwaukee? Because I, I know I know Minneapolis has got some got some heavy hitters, and there's a whole bunch of them who are out here. But didn't you say some episodes, several episodes ago? My goodness, that uh, like Milwaukee. And Madison have a, have serious scenes and have uh, produced a lot. I mean, M- Milwaukee's been crazy for a long time. Madison kind of—I don't want to speak out of turn, but from my perspective, rises and falls. But you know, even, even I mean, there was a Madison's. Yeah, it was a retrospective in like four one one, a single digit four one one. You know, there's there's been stuff happening in Mil- uh, these two cities have similar names. Well, the Madison is, uh, has been happening for a while, but 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 Milwaukee has Beer City though, right? Beer City's out of there. You know, I, they've got two indoor skate parks because they're necessary. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of good skaters. I mean, like Max Murphy's pro for Strange Love, love that guy. Like 
there's dude is underrated. This, there's been yeah, true. There's been a continuous like lots of rad skating happening out of Milwaukee for a long time for the past 20, 25 years. I want some cheese curds. <laughs> I got a shout out, uh, Matt Nordness, where if you were watching his clips on wiskate.com, he's one of my all time favorite Midwest skaters. That guy was so good, and now I think he's. He's either become a doctor or he's continuing to become a doctor doctor, like a, you know. Like a medical doctor? Medical doctor. Thank you for coming up with the words. Dude, shout out to him. Shout out to WI Skate. Those guys have been fucking killing it for so long. Very uh, inspirational. It's going to be 25 years this November. What? Dude. News hook. News hook. That is, yeah, we, oh, we okay. might have to do, uh, do an episode uh, about that. Definitely would be stoked to get that going. So get in touch. Uh, and that brings us to the part of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on Spitfire Wheels. I'm also stoked on Sam Narvaez's new part, Para Mi Hermano, which features a bunch of clips of uh, skating over in Cuba, if I remember correctly. And also, um, also did a Jankum one sheet, which was really nice. I, I love those, by the way. Shout out to Jankum. Alexis Sablon's new shoe. You're like, wow. Just the reaction, the the fact that I, I'm already seeing them out. They've been out for a day. I'm already seeing them, you know, just like out and about, which is incredible. I think I think there was a couple of people who were getting them on the early tip and uh, they waited to flex them. Um, I also really surprisingly enjoyed the P-Rod and Fender joint called Don't Quit Your Daydream. It's P-Rod talking about guitars and apparently he's an ambidextrous guitar player. He can play left-handed and right-handed, which is wild. That is very, 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 very hard. He's all right on guitar. He's no Bastion. Bastion is nice on guitar. Can confirm. Multiple experiences. Brilliant guitar player. Bring cleaning. I've been cleaning out my closets, selling some old guitar equipment that I wasn't using, a few pedals, even just things that were just taking up a lot of space. Sold some clothes, donated some clothes, making room for some new things. Speaking of clothes, the 40s clothing video, which I heard about a bunch in the 90s, never got to see, wasn't widely distributed. Now it's on YouTube. And uh, finally, I was stoked I got to meet Bun B today on Melrose. Talking to a homie and pulled up. He said, what's up? We were introduced. It was lovely. Mike, what are you stoked on this week? I'm stoked on remembering that if a part of your body hurts, but not that bad, even if it hurts bad, just put some ice on it and that'll probably help. I forget about that sometimes also stoked on uh getting a clip roughly two hours ago from the taping of this podcast that's pretty fun normally don't skate when we have to record at night but uh i broke that wall and now it's all possibilities ahead of me and uh random tv wreck stoked on the diplomat on netflix that's worth a watch just like took that all down that entire entire all episodes available. Took them down this week. Pretty stoked on it. Templeton, what are you stoked on? I'm definitely stoked on checking out The Diplomat. It's kind of on my list of things to watch. Also stoked on putting out some Heath Kirchart raw files that I've been sitting on for the last 20 years. It's from the session at the Winston-Salem, North Carolina LJVM Coliseum. He knows once this handrail. It's like a 13-stair handrail. It's from uh, This is Skateboarding. So I filmed that stuff, and there's some raw files of it, some stuff that nobody's ever seen before. So check that out. That'll be linked in the show notes. Also stoked on logo rips. Been having a good time just making other skate brands' logos say mostly instead of whatever the brand actually is. And been stoked on seeing some other people uh, join in the fun. So if, if you've got an idea for a, a logo rip, like, you know, maybe it's mostly Davidson or mostly workshop, whatever. Uh, so it's all fun and games. doesn't even have to be good. I'm impressed with their versatility. Clips in, this is skateboarding, and yeah, right? Yep. Dang. Hey, it's all, all top-tier dudes. That's all it is. That's the common <laughs> denominator. Consistency, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So shout-out to anybody who's made any of those mostly skateboarding logo rips. It's uh, really put a smile on my face. So thanks for that. And that, yeah, that's what I'm stoked on. So that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Mike, where can the people find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram with the same handle. 
at M Munzenrider. Patrick, where can the people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter under the handle at Colonel K Speaks. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at P Kigongo and also doing stuff with the Harold Hunter Foundation. Bong bong. Templeton, where can the people find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding and on Twitter at Mostly Skate. We will see you guys next week. Later. Later.